We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Notre Dame fans, welcome back to the Irish Breakdown Podcast. My name is Brian Driscoll. I'm the publisher at irishbreakdown.com. And today we're going to talk about one of my favorite topics, and that's wide receivers. We're going to talk about the Notre Dame wide receivers. And this has been a, a huge topic of conversation over the last several months, going back all the way into the 2020 season for a lot of different reasons. And we've talked about conversations about is there enough talent was the receiving core the thing that held the offense back in 2020 I've made my opinion known on this obviously I believe that that Notre Dame does in fact have talent to be a really productive receiving core there are also some question marks and guys have to step up and the things along those lines and we talked this past week as you get into spring ball there's people asking about what's the ideal of receiver alignment had a really good question in the Friday mailbag about, you know, what would my ideal receiver alignment be? And I still don't have one yet And from a specific players because, to me, that's the thing that encourages me when I look at this Notre Dame receiving core. And I look at just what I think this group can be and what I think this group can bring to the table because it has a chance to be a lot different than most of, of Notre Dame's receiving cores under Brian Kelly. And here's what I mean by that. Brian Kelly during his tenures had success with different types of receivers and different types of receiving cores. There's been some TJ Joneses. And then of course, in 2015, you had the receiving core that was Will Fuller, Chris Brown and Amir Carlisle, which was unlike any other receiving core he's had because it was all about dynamic athletes. And it looked a lot different than what we've seen in most recent seasons. And then of course, even at the beginning of Brian Kelly's tenure, when, when again, he had his first year, he had Michael Floyd and Tyler Eifert and Duval Kamara and you know bigger players. And you know, there were times where he had smaller players here and there. DeVarce Daniels was a, a taller, vertical-oriented receiver. Uh, you had, obviously, Equinemi St. Brown, followed by Miles Boykin, followed by Chase Claypool, followed by Javon McKinley and Ben Skoranek. There's been some smaller players mixed in here and there, but for the most part, in recent seasons especially, Notre Dame has chosen to go with bigger receivers, you know, kind of a comment I make to, like to make is power forwards. And, and I don't mean that in a, in a, um, a negative way. I don't mean that as, a, as a, a criticism. I mean, Chase Claypool's a heck of a football player. What I mean by power forward is there are types of receivers that are really about using their size and body positioning. And, you know, it's almost like boxing guys out for, for back shoulders. There's a skill involved and it, 
And it's a lot like, you know, you'd say a power forward in, in basketball guy that's playing in the post. And that's what I'm referring to. When I evaluate this receiving core and I evaluate receiving cores in general, to me, for me, I really kind of break receivers into three categories. And and then there's a fourth category that I've added that's sort of combo players. And that is guys that that, sh- that thrive with two, at least two of the specific skills in my analysis. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about how I view receivers in general and then how it relates specifically to Notre Dame. What I think this year's 2021 receiver roster is, is, can do for Notre Dame, what makes it different? Why do I think this group is going to be so much different than password groups? And then most importantly, how is that going to impact the 2021 offense? And if the players are as good as I think they are, how is that? And obviously the Notre Dame coaches thought they were when they recruited them. How is that going to impact the Notre Dame offense in 2021? What can, what does that mean for Notre Dame? Coach Kelly has talked about the need to build the offense around the talents of his players. That's a very important thing. I, I loved hearing that from Coach Kelly. And some of the things that I'm seeing on the practice video, we're seeing a lot of deep balls, a lot more screens. Uh, we're seeing some RPOs. Some of the things I'm hearing from sources about Notre Dame's desire to play a deeper rotation this year. In past years, Notre Dame's starting receivers, their one, twos, and threes, have played a combined, like uh, about on average, about 85 to 90% of the receiver snaps during the course of a season. That's a very high number. We haven't seen a lot of rotating. And I'm hearing that they're going to rotate more. And I think part of that is why I'm excited about that is because this receiving core might be the most diverse of Brian Kelly's tenure. When you look at it top to bottom, it has a chance to be the deepest receiving core of Brian Kelly's tenure. So much so that a player like Kendall Abdurrahman is already transferred. Five, six, seven years ago, Kendall Abdurrahman's playing his first two years. Even though he was needed to learn how to play receiver, he's a very good athlete, a, a dynamic guy with the ball in his hands, which is why Notre Dame recruited him. He's a very talented player, but he was having a hard time really cracking the receiving core, the depth chart, and, and I think there's some other reasons that resulted in him developing slower. I've been critical of Coach Alexander not working with younger players the way he needs to. And that's going to hurt a guy like Kendall Abdur-Rahman, who's a, a, a player that that is developing and, and needs to learn. And then, of course, the Notre Dame's running back issues this past year in fall camp because of COVID-related issues and, and uh, you know, guys either testing or contact tracing and all those different things. You had to move him, and so there was some cross-training going on, and it just stunted his growth. And no matter how good of an athlete he is, and I believe he is, I had him as a four-star player, 247 Sports had him as a four-star player. When the receiving core is as deep as Notre Dame's is, a guy like him is going to have a hard time really rising up that depth chart, and he's chosen to go a different route. And And you still look at the depth chart, and you're like, okay, they're fine. You know, and They're going to be okay. And that's the exciting thing about this because it's an extremely deep group of receivers. It's not an experience from a – class standpoint per se there's a lot of juniors and seniors in this well really seniors in this group but there's not a ton of guys that are proven commodities which is one of the concerns that you have there's guys that have had trouble staying healthy so we're going to talk about all that but but I'm going to focus mainly on breaking down the current receiving core how I think they fit into the groups that I that I'm going to mention why that matters for Notre Dame in 2021 and why We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The current group of receivers is perfectly suited. The timing is perfect for Coach Kelly to make the change into a modern offense that is RPO-related, that has more perimeter passes, more screens, more, more things designed to get the ball into space because there are so many more playmakers. The 2018 receiving core was really, really good, and, and I don't think it lacked for playmakers, but when you look at Miles Boykin and Chase Claypool, they were a different kind of playmaker, and that's what I'm going to get into. So let's begin this conversation by breaking down, in my opinion, the four types of wide receivers at Notre Dame. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. Not just Notre Dame. These are these are the four types of receivers that I see in general, and specifically how it relates to Notre Dame. So the the number and this isn't in any particular order, better or worse. It's just kind of just how I'm going with it. Number one are big boys, and and big boys are players that use their size as their number one weapon. Whether it be body positioning, whether it be as blockers, whether it be as route runners, making even making plays after the catch. Guys that are really good one-on-one players. That's what the big boys are. Number two are guys that make a living as route runners or or, or even guys that need to be good route runners because maybe they lack size or they lack explosive playmaking ability. But, you know, guys that – this can also be a dynamic trait. You know, Marvin Harrison would have been a guy that would fit into this category. So clearly there are guys that this is a trait that is important. But these are guys that do a lot of damage before – and after, you know, before the catch and to the point of the catch, they're not necessarily guys are going to make you miss or speed guys, but they're guys that are really precision route runners, guys that can win against man coverage because of that route running technique or guys that are really good working against the zone. Number three are playmakers. Now, playmakers can be in really two types of receiver. Number one, it can be guys that are really fast, dynamic vertical guys, they can be guys that are make-you-miss kind of players. Guys that fit into this category sometimes, and, and a lot, and we'll get into this with Notre Dame, is they are playmakers, but they may not be all-around players. There's going to be guys from other programs that, I've talked, that I'm going to talk about that fit into this category. Maybe they're not 75-catch guys. So when you think of like a Will Fuller, you think, well, this is the Will Fuller category. Well, yeah, but Will Fuller also had other traits, you know, route running. Uh, in, in different things. But, I mean, really his game was about being a playmaker. So he'd fit into this category as a playmaker. He was a good route runner, but he wasn't making a living off of a route as route running. He wasn't making a living off of his size. It was speed, vertical, sp- dynamic speed. Other players may not have dynamic speed, but they're more make-you-miss kind of guys. You know, Reggie Bush wasn't a explosive athlete at running back, but he could make you miss. Explosive from a 40 time, but he could make you miss, and he was real dynamic in space. That can also fit into this. So these are guys that are the type of player you say, we have to figure out as coaches ways to get these guys the ball because they are home run threats. They are big play threats every time they catch the ball. And the fourth category is combo players. And those are guys that, to me, thrive in two areas. Now, I don't mean guys a decent route runner. So the Will Fuller example is one. Decent route runner, but I'm not putting him in there because he's not making his living as a route runner. And then some guys that we'll get into are are good route runners and big. So they're kind of combo players. Or a guy may be really dynamic after the catch, but he's also a precision route runner that's really hard to defend in those regards. And so for me, I think of a Jerry Judy when I think of that kind of combo player. Yes, he's a dynamic playmaker, but he's also a precision great route runner that just can dominate with his route running ability. 
Henry Ruggs, on the other hand, isn't a bad route runner by any stretch, but he's more of just a speed guy. So that's kind of the four categories that, that I look at and say, in the past, Notre Dame has had too many guys that kind of fit into one of those categories. And there wasn't a lot of versatility for me. And I think that this has been proven really, especially in the college football playoff era, the best receiving cores are those that have a mixture of those three categories, but even more so, they have more combo players, guys that thrive in different regards. And, and I'll dive into that here in a minute. But let's first look at the Notre Dame position group first and foremost and talk about who fits into where, in my opinion. And if you have a difference of opinion, I'd love to hear your comments. Uh, you can either hit me up on Twitter, CoachD178, if you're listening on a podcast. Or if you're watching on YouTube, leave the comments below. If you think guys should fit in different categories, I'm curious to hear why, but I'm going to explain why I have them there. The first type are the big boys. And for me, there's three players that fit into this category, and that's Kevin Austin, Deion Colsey, and Jaden Thomas. Now, the first thing you think about Kevin Austin is, well, maybe he should be in the playmaker category. And while he can do things after the catch, I don't think that's what is the best part of his game. The best part of his game by far is, is his size and his ball skills and his ability to win one-on-one -on -one from a talent potential standpoint. He clearly has a lot to prove, but that's what he brings to the table. Deion Colsey to an, an incoming freshman. Jaden Thomas isn't as tall as those guys, but he's 6'1", 6'2", but he's really thick. He's over 200 pounds, and that's kind of his game as well. You could make a case that Jaden Thomas has the potential to eventually be a combo player because I think he has a lot of potential as a route runner as well. But right now, this is where he is. And again, this is not a criticism being an only one category. These are looking at your strengths as a player. Number two are the route runners. Again, these are guys that are not necessarily big players. Both of these players, Joe Wilkins Jr. and Jay Brunel for Notre Dame, who are in this category, are 6'1", 6'1 They're not dynamic playmakers. They're not guys who are going to take the top off the coverage. They're not guys that are going to... Uh, be dynamic with the ball in their hands, but they're really good athletes. They're really natural receivers and they know how to get open. And, and I think in order for them to thrive at Notre Dame, they have to be excel. They have to excel in this area. So if Joe Wilkins wants to be a part of the receiver rotation this year, if Jay Brunel wants to crack the receiver rotation at Notre Dame, being a really precise, effective route runner is going to be their path to getting onto the field. They're not going to be, you know, Joe Wilkins and Jay Brunel are not going to stretch the field the way that Joe Wilkins, that the way that, um, you know, other guys can, you know, Braden Lindsay, uh, Lorenzo Styles. They're not the big players. They don't have the size of a Kevin Austin or Deion Colsey or Chase Claypool, Miles Boykin of the past. They don't have that catch a ball and make 15 people miss on your way to the end zone kind of traits. Like, like we're going to get into some of these guys that Notre Dame has. So these are guys that have to be precise route runners. The next category are the playmakers. These are guys that aren't necessarily high-volume players, per se. Uh, they can be. For Notre Dame, this particular Notre Dame team, they're not really high-volume playmakers. They're not the Will Fuller 70-plus catch playmakers, but they are guys that I believe have the potential to be dynamic players. Now, Avery Davis, to me, this projection for him is based on what we've seen from him so far. And he's more of a playmaker for me. Um, excuse me. This is based on, yes, this is based on what we've seen from him so far. He's not a guy that, to me, he's made some plays as a route runner, but it's not his, his specialty so far. I believe that Avery Davis has an opportunity to, to jump into that combo category. I think there's an opportunity for Dave, Avery Davis to have a big breakout year, and I think he could surprise a lot of people this year in the slot. But the reason he's kind of limited in this playmaker role right now is because his game still needs growth. And I also think he's somewhat limited in where he can line up based on where his game is. Now, my hope is that he eventually evolves into a player that you can maybe move around a little bit more, and we'll get into that, and use him in different ways. And I think another year as a receiver, because remember, he came as a quarterback. He spent time at cor cornerback, so he's played quarter and cornerback, and he spent time at running back. So this is really his second full spring as a wide receiver. So I think there's a lot of development left in his game, which you may not – most fifth-year seniors, that's not the case. So I think right now he's in a playmaker role, has a chance to be in that next category. 
Braden Lindsay is another player that fits this playmaker role. He's not a great route runner. He's not a bad route runner, but it's not the name of his game. He obviously doesn't have great size. What makes Braden Lindsay a, a potential big weapon for Notre Dame is his speed and his ability to make plays before, more so before the catch with his burner speed. But we've seen at times make plays after the catch, whether it be jet sweeps and reverses with his speed or as we saw on the look screen for a touchdown he had against New Mexico, he can make some guys miss in certain situations. But he's a dynamic player. And then the third is Lorenzo Styles Jr. Now that's where Lorenzo is now based on what we saw in high school. But he's another guy that I project as he continues to develop his game will be in that combo category. And, and, and as I get into that, that's what I find so exciting about this receiving core is there are guys that have a diverse skill set that right now – I'm putting them in one category, but by the time they get done with their careers, could be in a different group. But we're focusing on the 2021 group. And the last group are the combo players. Now, I have Lawrence Keys in this group because I think Lawrence Keys is a guy that can be a playmaker. I think he has speed. I think he can stretch the field. He's been a 4-4 guy his entire Notre Dame career when they have offseason testing. He's always been a high high to mid 4-4 guy. He's a guy that I think can make plays after the catch. He's also a guy that I view as a really good route runner. He's not just a, you know, he can run routes, but he has the potential to be a really, really good route runner. And I think that he's a guy that if they do transition to a more open offense, a more vertical pass the ball perimeter-oriented RPOs. Lawrence Keyes is a guy that could be a great beneficiary of that. And in a rotation in the slot of him and Avery Davis could be exciting. And we've seen Lawrence Keyes play outside some. I mean, the biggest catch of his career against Georgia, he was lined up as an outside receiver, and he won a one-on-one, which you wouldn't expect from a top 5'10 guy. But that's the kind of talent that Lawrence Keyes brings to the game. Jordan Johnson, for me, is in that category. He's a unique player for Notre Dame because he doesn't have elite size. He's like six, one and a half, but he plays bigger than that. He's got very long arms. He can win one-on-ones. He's a very good leaper. So he can win sort of with size beyond his normal, his normal listed size. He's also got a chance to be a precision route runner. He's a very good route runner in high school, knows how to get open, knows how to attack leverage, knows how to work post, post top of top end, how to find room and separation. He's got all those skills. And then, of course, I think he's also a playmaker. I think he's a guy that can make plays after the catch. He's a guy that has enough speed to stretch the field. Xavier Watts is an, is, is similar to Jordan Johnson. But Xavier's a guy that I think you could put into the playmaker category right now. But I think Xavier's a guy that the reason I have as a, as, as a combo player, because there's so much versatility to his game, he can play the W. He can play the X. He can play the Z, which is W is outside. X is the the X W is the boundary position outside. X is sort of that field outside position. Think Will Fuller's position, and then the Z is the slot. He can play all those. He can stretch the field. He can work the zones. He can be. He can make plays after the catch. So I think he's another guy that fits into that category. You could easily make a case for Avery Davis to be in this category. You could easily make a case for Kevin Austin to be in this category. You can make a case for Lorenzo Styles to be in this category, but I'm trying to balance it out right now and really make guys prove themselves either as a as a as a prep player or from what we project them to be at Notre Dame. So those to me are the four categories that I look at when I think of wide receivers. Now, as we kind of get into this, when you look at it, so what does this mean for Notre Dame? Number one, the thing I like about this for Notre Dame is. This gives them much greater depth. When you look at that list, guys, there's a lot of good football players in that list. Now, a lot of them aren't proven. I get that. But Will Fuller wasn't proven in 2014 when he went from six career catches to 76. Equinemy St. Brown went from one career catch to, I think it was over 50 for almost 1,000 yards in, 20, in 2016. We saw Miles Boykin go from you know 13 to 18 catches to a big breakout season. We've seen Golden Tate went from six to 58 and – you know, went from about 160 yards to over a thousand yards in just a year. So receivers, a position that you don't necessarily need a lot of proven production. If you have the talent that sometimes it's just the opportunity that you're lacking. And I think that's where Notre Dame is. Now, I don't expect all of the 10 of those guys to step up and play in 2021. 
just not possible. You really can't go beyond six when you when you talk about a, a, a legitimate rotation. Maybe seven through the course of the year because you're going to work some games a guy may be in, but just each specific game, you can really only play five to six receivers and, and really have them get into a flow. So when I look at this group, the thing that I like is it gives Notre Dame so much more flexibility and versatility to play those guys together. And when we had a question from a, a user named Steve O'Matic on the Friday podcast, and he asked about that ideal alignment. And as I thought through that question later and through the weekend, you start thinking about like, well, what would be the ideal receiver alignment? And to me, there isn't one in the traditional sense that we've seen at Notre Dame so much in past years, which is here's the starting X, here's the starting Z, here's the starting W. For me, I think what Notre Dame needs to get into more is a, a is a team that moves guys around. There are there actually, in my opinion, there's not a single player on that list that can only play one spot. Right now, Avery Davis has only played the Z, but I think there are situations and scenarios based on his skill set where I think he could play an outside position, depending on the type of plays you want to run, not with what Notre Dame has run in the past. He can't be an X or a, a W and be effective doing what Notre Dame has done in the past. Same thing with Lawrence Keyes. He's done it, but it's not the best position for him. If they run the offense the way that I think they are and the way that I hope that I guess maybe hope they are is, is more of an appropriate term, then there's so much greater flexibility. And one of the things that that Notre Dame has lacked, even in years where they've had really good receivers like Chase Claypool and Miles Boykin, is you there's too much of a defined role for each player. And what I mean by that is for the most part, when a guy lines up, he's a W. 90 plus percent of his snaps, he's going to be in the boundary. If a guy's an X, the vast majority of snaps, he's going to be to the field. The Z is going to be in the slot. That makes it a little easier for teams to game plan for because, hey, look, you know, we know we can't let Javon McKinley beat us. He's going to be in the boundary the majority of the game. So we're, we're, we're going to make sure that we are prepared for that. And we saw a guy like Chase Claypool, for example, was a Z in 2017. He was an X in 2018, and in 2019 he was a W. But in those seasons, he rarely moved around. Later in the 2019 season, Chip Long started moving Chase Claypool around a little bit more, and and he was and that's when he really broke out. And we've seen this obviously from other teams. And this is what I want to kind of go over: of if you have the right kind of players. Now here's the deal: that's that's something that I want to see. I want to see them moving guys around more. You know, you you don't know where your best player is going to be every snap. But when you have players like Miles Boykin, for example, it limits how much you can move him around. When you have a player like Javon McKinley, maybe he could play some X, he could play some 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 W, but he's pretty much an outside guy. He's not an after the catch guy. You know who he is. That's not a criticism. It's just a reality of it. He was pretty good at what he does, but. You're not going to move around as much as you're going to move around some guys that have more of a diverse skill set. And that's kind of what we're talking about here. There's a lot more players at Notre Dame that have a diverse skill set. I think if people look at that list I just provided, you could argue with me a lot about you should move Kevin Austin into the combo or you should move this guy into the playmaker or you should move this guy into the combo or this guy should be a route runner. And, and I think that's a that's a testament to the diversity that this group has. There's not only great depth, but there's a lot of versatility. There's a lot of diversity. And here's why that matters in today's concept or context, because in today's game, the more you can move guys around, the more you can get players in position to get the ball. So if your best player is your Z, he's a slot guy, and the other team has a game plan to say, hey, we have a really good slot corner, and we have a really athletic linebacker. We have our version of Jeremiah Wusukoromoa. We can take him out of the game because we're also going to put a safety over top of him. Okay, well, so they just took out your best receiver. So what are you going to do? Say, so, well, okay, I guess they took out our best receiver. We're going to have to figure something else out. Or if you want to get your best receiver to ball, do you say, well, okay, we can move him to X. We can motion him. We can stack him. We can put him on the boundary. There's a lot of things we can do with him that's going to then make it harder for you to game plan for him. And beyond that, if you have that kind of versatility, teams aren't going to know week to week where you're going to put a guy. There's going to be weeks where – 
you know, he may be in the boundary more or field more, slot more. And and we're seeing that from a lot of the better teams in the country, especially teams like Ohio State and Alabama that more often than not have smaller receivers. Clemson made a living with bigger receivers. LSU in 2019, for the most part, had bigger receivers. Even Jamar Chase, who was their small guy, was 6'1", 200 pounds. Alabama's receiving core, very small in 2020. Uh, they've had past receiving cores. Their 2017 receiving core was pretty small. Six foot and under guys, six one and under guys. Uh, Ohio State's receiving core in 2014 was relatively small outside of Michael Thomas, but you had some diversity. If you look at um, other groups, it's again, it's it's they're not bigger guys, but with those teams that are smaller, Ohio State in 2020 had a small receiving group compared to what Notre Dame is at. But what they do with those players is they have very diverse skills and they move them around. And that's, that's what I want to show. So let's begin by starting with Ohio State. This is from the, the semifinal game against Clemson. So uh, as we go into this, I'm going to focus on their best player, Chris Olave, Because if Chris Olave is moving around, then you know other guys are also moving around. So as you can see in this clip from the video, and if you're listening via podcast, I'm going to explain it to you. This is a two-by-one formation from Ohio State. That means two players to the field, one player to the boundary. A two-by-one can be opposite but it's essentially there's two wide outs to one side there's one wide out to another side okay they have a tight end and a wing and they're in a pistol formation as you can see from this clip chris olave is is a, a, in the to the field in this two by one outside so he is what notre dame's x would be okay this next clip is from the same series now they're in a two by one again. You could call it a three by one, but when a tight end's attached like that in a wing, I don't count them as the same way. It's a two by one, basically with a with a tight end and a wing. You could call it three by one, but he is the outside receiver. This is the same. This is most of these clips are from the first quarter of this game, and and I did that on purpose to show you just how much they move them around. I did not cherry pick a play from the first quarter, one from the second, one from the third, because that's not the kind of versatility I'm talking about. This is looking at the data and saying, wow, they move him around a lot. And so when you show it early, it just shows how much they move him around. This next clip is a, is a two, is a really a one by one based on what I just said, but it's a bunch formation where now he is to the side, the field. So it's similar to the formation we just saw, except you take out the slot receiver and add a second tight end. So it's two tight ends, and instead of being the boundary, he is now to the field. Next clip, you see a three-by-one, and he's to the boundary. This is in the second quarter. The next play, you see a, a, a two-by-one, or two-by, excuse me, two-by-zero, two essentially, of receivers, but a uh, it, it's really a two-by-two because a, a two there's two tight ends backside. He's in the slot, okay? This next clip is of Alabama. Now, all these clips from Alabama – are in the first quarter of the game. And this is the SEC championship game. As you can see here, this is the same formation that we just saw from Ohio State. So you see, you know, again, these teams that throw the ball and score a lot of points are using a lot of tight ends, as you can see. But on this clip, it's a it's basically a two by, I'm going to call it a two by two. I'm going to cheat a little bit based on what I just said, just to, so it makes some sense. Two tight ends backside, two receivers to the field. Devontae Smith is outside. And you can see it there. This next clip, same formation, but now Devontae Smith is on the inside. And what you're going to see from this clip is John Mechie is going to motion down and he's going to stack behind Devontae Smith. In the second quarter, I believe, I think it was the second quarter, they had this same formation, but it was flipped again. And this time John Mechie was inside and Devontae Smith was outside. And he then motions in. And so they're stacked, but it, they, they have different players there. And it's because they want to influence the defense in a different way. Devontae Smith, being the stacked guy, is going to give him different options than if he's the the front guy, and and same thing when he's going to be backside. So we'll go, we'll keep keep going through this. This is another twelve personnel play where it's basically a two by two when you account for the tight ends. They're both in wings, and he's into the boundary. Here's another play later. This is a two by one with a tight end and a wing. He is the number one outside guy in the two two receiver side. So again, he'd be an X. This next clip. You see it. There's a receiver to the bottom. You may not be able to see it. So here he's two by one to the field. He's the outside guy to the X. Now here's a two by one. You can't see. I'm going to take this banner for the people uh, that are watching here. I'm going to hide this for a second. You can see that receiver down there. 
Okay. And so now it's a two by one, but Devontae Smith is the backside receiver. Okay. So again, all first quarter, I believe these plays are from the first series, right? Now we're in another situation. You see a two by one again, first quarter two by one. Now Devontae Smith is in the slot. Here's another play three by one. He's in the boundary. Now you see a three by one. He's in the slot. So as you can see here, two by two, he's in the boundary to the slot. Another two by two, he's field to the outside. So the point is here, as you can see from those two clips, and I could go through game after game after game of these players and show you that they have this great player and they move them all over the place. And it makes it really hard for teams to game plan. Now, Notre Dame doesn't have a Devontae Smith. They don't have, but I do believe they have a Chris Olave. I do believe that they have that kind of player. But the point is, what that does, what Alabama was doing, is that is allowing them, as a as an offensive coaches, to manipulate the defense in different ways. Number one, it's harder to game plan for. It's harder for them to know where a certain guy is going to be. It, number two, it allows them to use him to manipulate the defense in other ways. For example, one of the plays that we saw from the SEC title game was they lined Devontae Smith into the boundary. Well, Florida, like most teams, is, is going to cheat over there. And this is how I think some teams would play, play, play a Brayden Lindsey. If Brayden Lindsey's the play, it steps up and is healthy and can make some plays because he's such a vertical player. So what Florida did was, and, and Alabama knew they were going to do this, they had a safety in a corner, and they were basically playing quarters coverage. And when Devontae Smith released on a vertical route, the safety and the corner ran with him. So what Alabama did was they used him to basically clear him out with a go route, a, a tight go route, meaning he was kind of inside so he can manipulate the safety more to occupy the safety, and then obviously not so far inside because if you go too far inside, then the corner may pass him off and then let the safety take him, and then he can squeeze on what happened, which is they dragged the tight end from the backside, a deep drag, so underneath the flat coverage, a deep drag. So once that safety cleared out, You've got this big open side from between the flat and the deep coverage that you could work your tight end through. So on that play, Devontae Smith wasn't getting the football the way that they knew the coverage. And so they used him to clear him out. Then there were other plays where they used him as the as the slot. They'd use another player to clear the coverage, and then he'd kind of work across on a drag route. That kind of versatility is so hard to defend because you just never know where a guy is going to be. You see a diversity in route cut route, like the the routes that are actually going to threaten a defense. Any receiver can run any route, but not every route is going to threaten the defense. Ben Skaranda can run every route in the world, but there's only some routes he's going to run that are that teams are going to be afraid of. They're not going to really be afraid of him running vertical routes. They're not going to react to those. What I like about the Notre Dame group now is because you have such a unique skill set. There's a lot of guys on there that if they play to their potential, you have to respect that guy's deep speed. You have to respect that guy's ability to make plays after the catch. You have to respect that guy's route running. And you can manipulate them by moving certain players around to say, hey, we're going to utilize this week Braden Lindsay's speed to not only create some opportunities for him, but the way that this team is going to play him, the way that they play speed receivers is we know we can also use him as a decoy to set up other concepts. So, you know, we're going to run him off and we're going to bring Michael Mayer on a deep drag route like Alabama did. Maybe you're, you're, you can use Kevin Austin that way. Maybe you can use Jordan Johnson that way. So I think the thing that you're going to see from this receiving core is we're going to see more versatility. And here's why I think that's going to happen. In one of the recent interviews, and, and I'm going to try and find it here over the next week or so, but Coach Kelly was talking about how they teach receivers. And he was talking about something that I was happy to hear. It's something I think a lot of good offenses do. And it's something I know he's done in the past. He's talked about in the past. We just haven't seen a lot of it. it, it well, they, they teach it this way, but they don't use it on Saturdays is he said, you know, you can't just learn one position. You can't just learn W. You just can't learn the X, can't learn the Z. You have to teach it conceptually. And I, and that's how I taught it. And that's how most receiver coaches that, that I know teach it is, you don't teach a guy, maybe a freshman, but most guys, you don't teach them, say, hey, look, here's the W, and all you need to learn is the W routes. You teach, teach it conceptually. The more you understand the entire concept, the more you're effective you're going to be at your job, number one. So even if you keep guys in one position, if you don't understand 
why I'm being taught to run this route this way. Hey, you know what? Uh, this guy is playing off, so I'm gonna sh- quit shorten my my route to get open quicker. But you don't understand what's happening behind you. So by you doing that, you don't threaten a corner, which means the corner's just gonna bail and he's gonna jump underneath the corner route that you're running from the inside, and that flat defender's gonna get outside to you. So you know you've now you've now allowed them to cover it more. Uh, if you don't understand why I have to get to 12 yards instead of eight yards because you're manipulating the defense, number one, create timing, but number two, because you have a route combination that's working with you. That's the reason, number one, you teach it conceptually is so that you understand why you have to run your route the way that you do, the why you have to make the checks that you may have to make based on the coverage. The second reason you teach it conceptually is that guys can then do different things. So if a guy understands we're running a smash concept, he understands the outside route, whether it be the smash route, whether it be just a hitch, whether it be a, a wide fade hitch, whether it be a a, 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 um, a pivot route, however you're going to do it based on the coverage, he has to understand all that. But he also understands the corner route. So he understands that not only am I just running the corner, but I know the depth. I know that I got to cut between 12 to 15. I know that if the safety is playing me outside, I got to adjust my route, maybe option it inside and not even push the corner. If the guy's playing me inside, I got to take it over the top. If the if the safety's playing me deep, I got to level it off a little bit. If the safety's playing tight, I got to take it a little bit over the top. You got to understand all that kind of stuff. And if you're not teaching it conceptually, a guy may only know one concept, so you have to play him at the X. If Notre Dame's going to do what Coach Kelly's talked about, which is, teach this conceptually with the intent of then getting guys to be able to play multiple positions. Cause again, you teach it conceptually, which is what I understand Notre Dame have always done. There's teaching conceptually so that you understand your job, which is what we've seen. Guys don't move around a whole lot. Then there's teaching it conceptually so that, Hey, if I want to put you more at Z this week or more at X or more at W, you can do that. I think it also, here's the other big thing. It also really helps when it comes to in-game adjustments. So if Coach Reese has, has got this really good, diverse group of receivers, they get into a game and they're playing Wisconsin and Jim Leonard's come up with these really creative coverage schemes to try to really hurt Notre Dame's pass game. And, you know, let's say at that point in time of the season, just Jordan Johnson's really been going off for whatever reason. We'll just use him as an example. You can pick a guy, pick your favorite receiver, and that guy's going off, okay? Well, Wisconsin's got this really good game plan to take him out. So Coach Reese can say, hey, look, let's we can do a couple different things. Number one is he's our best player. We still want to get him the ball. How can we maneuver him, maneuver him, maneuver him around? So, you know, Wisconsin's pressing a lot. They're playing a lot of press two. What that means, they're going to press him at the line of scrimmage, but that corner knows that I can be aggressive because if he beats me, I have a safety over top playing cover two to help me out. So you may say, okay, well, they're going to do that. Then we're going to we're going to invert our 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 guy. So instead of the outside guy being on the line, he steps back and he's inverted. Okay, so we're going to bunch. So that way they can't necessarily get their hands on him. We're going to motion. There's different things we can do. We're going to put him in the boundary because if they want to if they want to double team him, fine, go double team into the boundary and then we got all this field to work with. Or, hey, they can't double team him anymore because he's in the boundary or whatever the case may be, depending on how they're doing their coverage structure. So that means that we've now got them out of what they were wanting to do. There's other things you can do. Hey, we're going to use him as a decoy. So the way that they're playing him, we know he's going to get two guys on him all the time. So use him as a decoy. I'll give you an example from from my coaching career when I was at Duquesne. We had three really good receivers, and they had very diverse skill sets. We had one guy, Michael Warfield, was sort of a he was a combo guy. He had good size. He was like 6'2". He was a good route runner. He wasn't a fast, fast guy, but he he could, he could stretch the field. He was a really good ball catcher. And then we had another player, Randy Velakovic, who didn't have a lot of speed, decent size, but not huge. But he's a great route runner, knew how to get open. And then we had Yarden Brantley, who was a pure burner. You know, he ran a 4-4-2 for NFL scouts, pure burner. And it was always interesting week after week, figuring out who the one of my jobs as the receivers coach was we got to figure out how they're playing these guys each week. And so some weeks teams may say, well, we got to stop Michael Warfield. Other weeks we got to stop Yarn Brantley. Well, we played this one team, and I think it was Siena. I'm not, I don't remember for sure, but we played a team where basically they were so afraid of Yard and Brantley's speed that they put two guys on him the whole game. He was going to have a corner that was going to follow him wherever he went, and there was a safety that was going to follow him wherever he went. 
well, by the middle of first quarter, we kind of had this figured out. We're like, hey, coach, we're going to put they're going to put Yarden where they're going to go put two guys wherever Yarden goes. So what we started to do was we started to manipulate them to then set things up. So we'd put Yarden backside and then set route route combinations for Michael and 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 uh, and Randy to the field, or we'd put Yarden outside to the to the field because we knew we could get a one on one backside with Michael. So we were able to manipulate them because we were able to identify what they were doing. But if Yarden didn't understand and Michael didn't understand the ability to move around and play different positions, then we'd have been, we'd have been stuck. I got a plan to take, take him out and he's a slot guy. So what are we going to do? Or he's the X, what are we going to do? We're we're in trouble. And and so the smart coaches at Notre Dame, they're going to be able to see this stuff. Tommy Reese is going to be able to see this. John McNulty is going to see it. Lance Taylor is going to see it. Coach Alexander is going to see it and say, Hey, look, this is what they're doing to take Michael Mayer out of the game, or this is what they're doing to take Jordan Johnson out of the game. What can we do? If you trust that your receivers all know the concept, the entire concept that they can line up at XZW, you can then come up with concepts and in, in, in packages or looks to say, okay, we were planning on using Jordan mostly as an X this game. Well, because of how they're playing him, we're going to put him backside. And we're going to put Kevin Austin to the field, or we're going to put Joe Wilkins or Xavier Watts or Lorenzo Styles. Pick a guy. doesn't matter. I'm just using these as examples. And then you say, well, or we may move them to the slot or in within a, a series like I just showed from Alabama. We're going to we're gonna have a package. We're going, and this is something you might have to do more at halftime when you have more time to sit and go over stuff and draw stuff up on the board. But, hey, Jordan, we're going we're gonna to move you around, and this is what we're going to do. If you don't trust your receivers to, to move around a lot and play different positions, or if guys don't understand the entire concepts or guys have limited skill sets, then if a team has a good game plan, you're in a tougher spot as an offensive coordinator. So what I think this group of players does for Coach Reese is it gives him a a much more diverse set of skills. So when you look at the, the 2018 receivers, Ian Book, Miles Boykin, and Chase Claypool were a great group in 2018, if, if you actually go look at Notre Dame's points per game, when Ian Book start, stepped in the lineup till the end of the regular season, Notre Dame scored over 37 points per game. The only stretch we've seen in Notre Dame and Brian Kelly's tenure where they scored more points per game was the first nine games of 2017 when they were over 40 points per game. But that was off power running and all that, and then it faded. But during that stretch, they were really dynamic, and then you had Alizé Mack at tight end, and you had Chris Fink in the slot. Well, the reason that didn't work quite as effectively in in the playoff game against Clemson, even though there again there are plays to be made, the quarterback had to play better. But part of the reason that Ian Book wasn't comfortable is Clemson was one of the few teams that could actually match up size wise and length wise with Notre Dame's receivers. So that AJ Terrell and Trayvon Mullen, well, they were both six one plus, and Trayvon Mullen wasn't a big guy; he's kind of skinny, but he had super long arms. And so the windows against those guys were a lot smaller. We're against corners that don't have that kind of size and that length and that kind of athleticism. They were able to dominate. Well, when those guys were able to match up against Notre Dame because they were basically just a bunch of big guys, there was nothing Notre Dame could do. There was nothing that Chip Long could kind of draw up in the sand and say, hey, we're going to move this guy around because if you flip Miles Boykin and Chase Claypool, they do the same thing, right? There's not a lot of diversity in their skill set at that time. Now, Chase Claypool in 2019, if you could take him back to 2018, a little different story. But at the time, he was a little bit more pigeonholed. And Chris Fink wasn't a dynamic enough, dynamic enough player to kind of really scare them. They didn't – Alizé Mack was a good player, but I don't think he was Michael Mayer good. So when you matched up against a team that could kind of go toe-to-toe with you and you have that limited diversity in your in your position group, there's not a lot you do. And – they had Kevin Austin and Lawrence Keyes and Brayden Lindsay and a lot of the guys we're talking about now, but those guys weren't playing. They were not really part of the rotation. You're not just going to throw a lot of guys that never played into the playoff game. So that's why it's going to be important to develop a broader group because if you have a team like Clemson, and there's going to be teams like that where you have kept, let's just say Notre Dame's got Kevin Austin in the boundary and, and he plays with Joe Wilkins, and then to the field, you got Jordan Johnson, and that's their their group, right? That's their main deal. And then you play a team with a couple six-foot, six-one corners, and they can match up with those two guys, and you can't move them, then, then what do you do? But now 
we say, okay, well, we're going to then, you know, play maybe Lawrence Keys a little bit more there. We're going to move Kevin to the, you know, the, or Jordan to the boundary and Kevin into the slot and put Avery Davis outside. There's all types of different things you can do. You can bunch, you can motion, you can shift. Uh, you can use those guys to to manipulate the defense, to create some openings for your tight end or whatever the case may be. And so I think it gives Coach Reese a lot more options from a week to week to say, you don't just can match up against teams that have X type of corner. You have the group that can match up against a lot of different types. There may be some weeks based on, on what you're playing defensively that maybe the route runners are getting targeted more. Maybe the bigger guys are getting targeted more. Maybe other weeks you're throwing a bunch of bubble screens and you're a lot, a lot of look screens because maybe team is, is really worried about your run game. So they they got their safeties in tighter. So you have a little bit more windows out there. So you're going to say, hey, look, we got to get Braden Lindsey the ball. We got to get Lawrence Keyes the ball. This is a big week for Avery Davis. You know, maybe Lorenzo Styles is going to get a chance this week. You know, or you say, hey, look, they got some slow corners. So this is a week where we're going to really focus on getting Braden and Lorenzo on the field together because they can stretch the field or Xavier Watts, you know, or uh, we want to really stretch them outside, so we're going to have a W that can do this. So you just have that versatility. Man, you just, as, a, as a receivers coach, man, it just gets you excited because you start thinking about all the different things you can do, and we haven't seen that a lot at Notre Dame. The 2015 group, as great as it was, part of the thing that hurt them against Ohio State was Ohio State was so good at corner that outside of, of Will Fuller, you were a little bit limited on how on kind of how impactful you could be in the pass game. Against Clemson that same year, it took a while for those receivers to get going, partly because of the rain, but partly because Clemson had big physical receivers that could take your fast guys out of the game, and it took Notre Dame a while to really figure out how to attack that. Whereas now, if you have small, fast corners, well, you have big receivers you can go to. If you have big, long receivers, you have some fast guys that can give them some problems that you can go to. And then, of course, you've got a stud at tight end. And you have running backs and those type of things. So, you know, when I look at this receiving core, people wonder why I'm so optimistic about this group. And a lot of these guys haven't haven't really played a lot. But when I look at it, I just see a group of receivers that are perfect for the modern offense. Perfect from an athlete. They've got the athleticism. They've got the playmaking ability. There's speed in this group. There's route running in this group. There's ball skills in this group. There's running backs that can catch the ball. There's elite tight ends. There's so many weapons that can be utilized. And what I'm excited to see is Coach Kelly to let Coach Reese sort of open this thing up and say, hey, we have all these weapons. We've got to use them. And I really believe that that Tommy Reese, as a, as a younger, former quarterback, sort of a, a modern guy, yes, he's played mostly under Brian Kelly's offense, but I just – he strikes me as a, a really sharp guy that even if he doesn't necessarily know the concepts to use, can spend time this offseason studying the film, talking to other coaches, and he's going to pick it up super quick. And I think he can utilize that. And, and especially since he did have that year in the NFL recently, uh, I think it was 2016, 2015 or 2016 with the Chargers. You know, that was kind of when the NFL was starting to get to the sub packages and all the versatility. So I think the talent is there. I know Lance Taylor has it. He was in the NFL. He understands it. The talent is there. The depth is there. The versatility is there. It's now about making the decision to say, we're going to make the changes that are necessary to do that. And, and when you when we talked about the comments that Coach Kelly made the other day, this right here is why I was so excited about it. Because it's one thing to say, we're going to come into the modern era and we got to score a lot more points. That's fine. Sounds great. But if you look at the depth chart and you're like, yeah, you're not scoring a lot of points with that group, then it, it doesn't matter. But I truly believe that this group of receivers is way better than than I think a lot of Notre Dame fans really understand because they just haven't been utilized. And now that you're in a system that hopefully, and, and we're seeing it in practice, more vertical, a lot of deep balls, a lot of screens, there's bubbles, there's now screens, there's all types of different things. I think you're now going to play to their skill set more, so you're going to see guys like maybe Lorenzo Styles maybe make a faster impact than maybe freshmen have in the past. You're going to see Xavier Watts or Jordan Johnson make that sophomore jump. You're going to see Braden, Lonzi, Braden Lindsay be more effective. You're going to see Jordan Johnson really have a dynamic role because it's an offense that's going to fit more of what he does. And if you can, if you're going to move, do all that moving around, that also has to be countered with 
simplifying the offense a little bit, meaning we're going to move guys around, do different things, but we're, we're going to limit our overall scope of our offense going into a game. You don't necessarily limit it from a big picture standpoint, but we're not going to carry as much offense into a game. We're in the past. Maybe we'd have 65 different route combinations. Now we're going to have 25, something like that. Uh, and it'd be more focused on the, the multiplicity from a formational alignment standpoint where you may run the same concept out of six or seven different formations with different receivers and different pieces. It's going to look a whole lot different to the defense. And that's what I'm excited to see. And so that's what I wanted to talk about today is we break down this Notre Dame receiving core. I love the versatility. I love the depth. I love the playmaking ability. I think it's a group of guys that will fit well with the two players that are competing for the starting job right now, Drew Pine and Jack Cohen, because you have to, this all doesn't work if you don't have quarterbacks that are great decision makers and accurate passers. These guys are both really quick decision makers. Jack Cohn's done it. Drew Pine, to me, has the potential to do it. We saw him do it in high school. Very accurate, quick releases, and it's just about hey man, you don't have to, you don't have to go out there and throw, you know, be Joe Burrow, or you don't have to go out there and be Trevor Lawrence. We got playmakers. Get them the ball. Just read, take what the defense is going to give you. Make your reads and get the ball out quickly to the playmakers. And that's what you need at quarterback. You need the point guard. And, and I've talked about this, the point guard quarterback. And Notre Dame has point guard quarterbacks on this team. And that only works if you have guys that can be playmakers or receiver. I think Notre Dame has that. I'm looking at the depth chart now. I'm seeing playmakers. I'm seeing diversity of skills. I'm seeing guys that you can do a lot of different, fun, interesting things with. And that's why I think if Coach Reese is allowed is kind of get the handcuffs taken off, or you know, for whatever reason, and say, hey, let's go, let's attack, let's be aggressive. There's a lot of different things he can do. And and to me, as a as a coach, that gets me excited. Uh, I think that's probably something that's going to get Coach Reese excited. And hopefully it gets Notre Dame fans excited because we all know they got to score more points. But do they have the talent to get to that level? Some say they don't. I think they do. I think we're going to hopefully find out in the 2021 season if that's accurate or not. Guys got to stay healthy. Guys got to step up, but if they do, if just six of those guys of that 10 that I listed can step up and play to their potential, along with Michael Mayer and Kyron Williams and Chris Tyree, this football team has a chance to be really, really dynamic on offense. And so that's going to be it for today's podcast. If you are listening on a podcast, please subscribe to us on whatever platform you use, and please leave us a five-star review. We'd really appreciate it. It helps us kind of expand our audience. If you're watching on YouTube, please hit the subscribe button and also hit the notification bell so you know when we have new podcasts. And of course, make sure you are always listening to irishbreakdown.com or reading irishbreakdown.com. If you have not done so already, you can sign up for our newsletter. And what that means is every morning, just almost every morning, sometimes we don't, we don't have a, the kind of content we want to send out, but almost every morning, you're going to get an email with our five top stories from the day before. And check those out. If you say, hey, I want to support Irish Breakdown, the way you do that is read our articles, read our content, check the stuff out, get the newsletter, five stories, sitting there reading your morning paper on your tablet. Or if you get still, some people still get the paper, read, drinking your coffee, eating breakfast, whatever. You can read those five stories, check out what we're doing. Hopefully, we're going to have a, a ways on the site to communicate here relatively soon. And of course, we have a lot of recruiting coverage coming up. Uh, we're going to be at the Under Armour camp in Columbus this weekend. There's going to be some Notre Dame prospects there. So we got a lot going on. So make sure you check out irishbreakdown.com for that. We will be back on Friday uh, with a live mailbag. Vince will be with us this week. So thank goodness it won't just be me this week. And we got some other things planned coming up here soon with our, our podcast and our YouTube channel. So make sure you check those out. Tell your friends, share this stuff, share our YouTube, uh, tell people about our podcast, send people our website, retweet the stuff we put out on Twitter. We can only grow if y'all help us grow. And, and we love that you're a part of what we're doing already. We have a lot more things planned. I'm excited about what the future holds for irishbreakdown.com. And of course, we'll have a lot more discussion about the wide receivers because that this is not a topic that's going to go away anytime soon. And I think we can all agree that when we get to the fall, that we all hope that I'm right, that these guys are as good as they're capable of. Because if they are, this is going to be a really fun season. So stay safe. Have a great rest of your day. Great rest of your week. 
and we'll talk to you again very, very soon. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.